This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello, this is Hey Dude Shoes. This is an ad, but not for your ears, for your feet. Are they listening? Good. Hey Dude Shoes are the squishiest, airiest, lightest go-to shoes you'll ever have the pleasure of introducing your toes to. So light, a butterfly could steal them. So soft, kittens seethe with jealousy. So cushy, your hands will curse your feet for all the love and attention. Toes, you've hit the jackpot of comfy. Hey dude, good to go to. Do you import and export goods in and out of the UK? If so, then look no further for all your logistics and freight forwarding needs than Lila International Logistics, owned and run by West Ham fans. Lila, that's L-I-L-A, International Logistics, provides businesses with affordable import and export rates for sending and receiving products anywhere around the world, whether it be by air freight, sea freight, courier or road freight. Lila provide a bespoke service for shipments, so you ain't being passed between departments and you have a direct contact at all times, 24-7 for shipments. Check out their website at www.lilalogistics.co.uk for more info. You're listening to the West Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Hamway podcast with myself Dave Walker and XWHU employee. On what is the gaffer's birthday we reflect on the defeat of Stamford Bridge but one that took place whilst resting players for the big night on Thursday. We look at the performance, preview the Europa League semi-final and have an in-depth discussion about the future of Declan Rice before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Hamway. X, some would say it's a good time to play Chelsea at the moment. And judging by their performance yesterday, I think they'd be right. However, we couldn't take advantage of that. How would you feel about the game? Um, well, thankfully, we've got bigger things to worry about. So I haven't dwelled yep. on it too much. I think I've been able to get over it relatively quickly because of 
because of the fact we've got these games um, coming out the the uh, games in Germany and in against German opposition. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, I I was disappointed. I, I went to the game, so I was disappointed. So I was there. I thought a draw would have been a fair result. Uh, disappointed in the sense that yet another controversial decision um, against the top top uh, six side has affected the game and, and so frustration in that um, Dawson being a red carded means you know he couldn't be any more depleted at centre back for Arsenal but that game isn't that important really now in the grand scheme of things and we may have lost it anyway with or without him um, but I think we deserve the draw and it's just disappointing that yet again another controversial decision has, has affected the game oh, I know and in an age where technology is supposed to eradicate controversy it's just incredible because since it's come along it seems to have caused more of it where we're yeah. concerned it's so unbelievably frustrating and we will get to that but I've got to say from my perspective I was so relieved to see that we rested our most important players I mean yeah. honestly look I wasn't there yesterday so if I would have been there and if for the fans that were there I can understand if there would have been some disappointment sacrifice in the game ultimately for Thursday but from my perspective we could have lost that game 10-0 and I would have accepted it it's what I wanted against Brentford away as you mm. know um, mm. we played our best players in that game we lost which was even more frustrating luckily we got through it mm. I just think at this time you, you just have to preserve your best players because we haven't got a squad that can cope with that if we don't so I was pleased yeah. to see that so actually go against what I said um, previously with the Brentford game. I was actually I was actually not too bothered that he'd done that against Chelsea either. And I'll tell you why. There was a difference. Firstly, against Brentford, I thought we could win that game with a strong team. Obviously, with hindsight, I got proved wrong. Um, but on, on paper, we should have beaten them or at least got a decent result. Whereas I kind of expected us to lose to Chelsea, even though they had been off form at home and stuff. Um, but they've got nothing to play for now, um, apart from a higher uh, finish in the FA Cup. Um, they, um, they're not obviously in the Champions League now, so don't have the European dilemma that we have. Um, they they also, um, you know, we we um, our game on third, when it doesn't look like we're going to get Champions League now against Brentford, there was a chance that we would do, but with Arsenal and Spurs getting the results that they've got and us not winning and us losing against Brentford, you know, not losing against Brentford, then drawing against Burnley with effectively. I don't think we could qualify for fourth now. So so I was a bit more accepting of the changes against Chelsea than I would have been against Brentford. And I think deep down, looking back, it's nice to know, barring a training ground injury or something, that we're going to have Rice, Bowen and Antonio, because they are the three, and or alongside Dawson, I guess, um, the four most important players in this squad, or Zuma, um, but certainly those three are important, and I think it's really important that they had that rest going into that game. So, yeah, I was to change what I said earlier. I was fine with that as well. Yeah, yeah, me too. I mean, I, <laughs> I've got to be honest. They're like, I'm not even sure I'd have brought them on. I mean, it, it didn't do them any harm, thank God. But I was just a bag of nerves, really. Yeah, you know, the problem was the, the game was. Off. Yeah, I understand that. And I was a bit the same when Declan came on at half-time. I was kind of like, well, you've only rested for 45 minutes. But the game was there for the taking. And I think yeah. that's what was frustrating because we'd matched them. The the sort of weakened 11, in fairness to them, had done well. Um, and, you know, we were the game was there for the taking. I think Moisey just thought, right, if I get Bowen and, and Rice on, you know, and Lanzini, we could actually win this game. Um, mm. And really, we sh in some ways, we should have. Um, 
done. So mm. I do understand why he did that. But as you say, thankfully they came through all right anyway. So didn't it was irrelevant. Yeah, and we did miss those players through not playing. I mean, that was obvious. Yeah. It's an obvious statement that you are going to miss your best players. But, you know, that spark in the final third just wasn't really there, was it? I mean, we yeah. missed the explosiveness of Antonio, the pace and work rate of Bowen and the dominance in midfield from Declan. Um, yeah. That said, you know, like I say, my expectations were pretty low when I saw the team mm. um, with respect. And uh, mm. I, I thought they, they held their own. But I've got to say, hearing the fans sing Stanford Bridges falling down, at this time was something quite beautiful, really, wasn't it? Oh, mate, there was, there was, there was, there was some great charts. I mean, obviously, it was copied from Arsenal because Arsenal sung it the game before. But, you know, we sung just like the old days. There's nobody here, which is quite satisfying. <laughs> and, you know, I was right next. I, I, I literally, if there had been a full house, I'd have been right next to Chelsea fans. I was right right next to the empty seats. Um, and, you yeah, know, we sung that. We sung... Um, Something like something about tourists. I forgot now. Where's your tourists gone? Um, yeah, yeah, which is quality. good. And then we sang, um, yeah, Stanford Bridge is falling down and Chelsea are bankrupt everywhere they go. Chelsea <laughs> are bankrupt. And so it was, that. yeah, it was nice. And, um, you know, there was some good charts. It was a good atmosphere at first. I mean, it was a bit, I wouldn't say it was the most passionate of atmospheres. Like, you know, we've had against the, the European teams where it's like, like, come on, West Ham. But it was some good, some good chants. And, the, you know, we were quite loud at times and you know whilst I you know I'm not sure how I feel about Frank Lampard and stuff nowadays but there was a you know big fat Frank chart that went really loud at one point so you know it was it was a, it was a good atmosphere in that respect and it was nice in a way to come out of a game where we've lost to Chelsea and not actually be that bothered because mm. usually that would have hurt me that game but, but it mm. didn't really yeah. Well, let's talk about Dawson's red card. I mean, firstly, was it a sending off? And secondly, was it even in the box? Well, I've only seen the replay of it once. I thought I'd better watch it before we did this podcast. I've seen it on my Sky Sports app on my phone, so it's not the easiest to tell. They didn't really show you any replayed angles, but it does look like the foul starts outside the box from what I can see, and it does look like when you put it in comparison to other incidents that have gone on at the weekend, even the Chelsea one with as a Pequeta, what his fucking name is. Let's just call him Dave. Uh, Dave uh, D- D- what Dave did on the on the Chelsea on the Arsenal players that seemed just as bad. And no, enough. It was given. You know, there was no red card given for him. And you know, it's just there just seems to be. Con- and then the Everton game. I'm sure, I, I watched a bit of that. That one of their players was fouled um, in the area and stuff. And there's just so many inconsistencies. You know, I can't say I've seen enough of it to be able to give a fully. 100% confident answer to it, but it did seem harsh. And one thing as well, which I haven't seen a replay on, I was literally right next to the corner flag. I'm sure it was our corner instead of their goal kick just before that incident happened as well. Um, I'm sure it was with Bowen. Um, but again, I've not seen a replay, but at the time I was convinced it was our ball and I was right in line of it. So I had a better view than the linesman did who was on the other side of the pitch. So, um, so yeah, I, I think again, if it had been Chelsea, if it had been... You know, Yarmolenko clean through and um, Silver putting him back. I reckon it would have been a different outcome. Mm. I mean, I, I did watch the replay back a few times. Granted, I consumed quite a few rum and cokes at the time. So, <laughs> you know, it's not the most reliable opinion in world football, let's be honest. But 
it looked to me like the incident started outside the box. Yeah, that's what and, I thought. And I'm going to make myself sound stupid now, X, but I can't keep up with fucking rules in football these days. And, and that thing, the, the double jeopardy rule. It's, where... funny, it's funny you should say that because that's exactly what I thought of the game. And I was saying to um, the person I went with, um, Steve, good bloke, my next door neighbour, the person I went with, um, that I, I was like, what about the double jeopardy rule? So I actually looked it up because I didn't really understand. Now, my, my the two things I've taken from what I've read is that if you if if it's a genuine attempt to play the ball then it then that's when the double jeopardy rule happens if it's just a blatant foul where you've tried to just stop someone from scoring a goal um then that then the double jeopardy rule doesn't work so that's the first argument oh, fuck uh, me, there's uh, nothing like overcomplicating a rule is there this is what i mean this is what i mean mate and this is why it gets so so stupid um and and there was another slight caveat to it as well i can't remember what the other one was now but i think that that's the main thing that if it was a deliberate attempt just to foul the person then it's then the double jeopardy rule and the rule doesn't happen and then i read that it might only be keepers that applies to anyway so i'm not entirely sure so again i'm a bit confused but i think it's either either one or both of those reasons I mean, I would say it's a mute point because he missed the penalty anyway, but it's not really because no, you know Dawson's got a red card, so yeah. it, it's it's hurt us big time. I and mean, Dawson, Dawson was playing brilliantly, mate. So I yeah, don't was, think we, I don't think we would have conceded had he been on the pitch. Yeah, I, it was it was great, and um, I was going to come to this, but I might as well say it now whilst it's in context. He got given the man of the match by Country Mile by patrons, and rightfully so. It, he was brilliant, and he has been brilliant. Uh, a real, I don't think he'll win it, but he, he's a dark horse in the world of dark horses for Hammer of the Year dolls because the West Ham fans love him, don't we? Oh, 100%. It's the first time I've actually heard a chart fully go for him yesterday. I mean, it was there's only one Craig Dawson, so it wasn't like you know, uniquely written, but mm. it's um, he's started being called Ballon Dawson recently, but yes, you know, and, and he's getting a lot of momentum, and rightly so, rightly so. He's been phenomenal. You know, if you talk about signings of recent years, he's got to be one of the best we've, we've made. I love the fella, I thought he was brilliant yesterday, I thought he was brilliant in recent games. The fact that he's our only fit center back as well, the amount of shit he got when he first joined and people said he was rubbish etc etc he's mm. definitely a contender uh, Bowen is also a contender 100% I think Dawson's got a massive role well, they all have a massive role to play going into the end of the season but with we've, certainly with Zuma and Ogbonna and, and everyone else out like Dawson's role is even more magnified but for me the hammer of the year still has to be Declan Rice now, I know people think I'm biased but Declan Rice has maintained this level of performance throughout the whole season. You know, yes, Dawson's been brilliant um, and he's really getting better and better and better. But from day dot, that Newcastle game, the first game of the season, by his own omissions, Declan wasn't at his best in the first half, you know, possible Euro hangover, whatever. But then his form kicked in and the second half, he completely dominated the game. And how many games has he won almost single-handedly on his own mm. whilst whilst captaining the side, I I might add to our best ever, you know, or potentially one of our best ever seasons. And if we can, you know, win the Europa League, I, I think, yes, I understand the momentum for Dawson. Yes, he should be, I would say, either second or third. For me, it should be Rice Bowen, Dawson. Um, but I think 
it has to be Declan for first choice. I, I can't. I think people just take for granted how good he is and how consistent he is. And because Dawson, we didn't expect it from him, it almost makes it seem like he's playing better than Declan. He's playing on par with Declan It's in the most recent months, definitely. But Declan's been playing like this the whole season and he, and he has to be Hammer of the Year. If you're going to vote legitimately for who it is, take aside any politics off the pitch, like which would affect like Zuma, I guess. If you're going purely based on performances from start to finish, it has to be him. And what you have to remember is that up until about November time, um, December time, Dawson was third choice. And it was Ogbonna and Zuma that were the centre-backs. Mm. So he didn't even really play apart from the cup games. So if without Declan, play, who played almost every game this season, we wouldn't be where we are now. So it has to be Declan for me. You can't argue with it. His name's already on the trophy. You know, he's... he's well, I don't think people. it is. That's the thing. Well, I think it, it should be. It should be. Yeah, it should be. No, but I, I think, think it's been close. I think it is. Yeah, I do. I do, yeah. Okay. It's, well, I especially, hope so. especially, and I don't know how much of a part this has to play in it, but especially as he didn't win it last season, which was a, a bone of contention with some people, as it was for you. Now, personally, <laughs> I, I did vote for Suchek, so I don't yeah. think it was you know, as contentious as you claim it was. But mm. um, but this season, it, it, yeah, his name's already on it. For me, um, yeah, it's just been different class. And how lucky are we to have literally the best player in the world for his position? I don't, oh, even, think that's, I don't even think you can contend that. He, he, that's no. how good he is. And he's been, oh, of course. He's been phenomenal. And do you know what? It's, talking of Declan Rice, um, I wasn't too sure whether to raise this or not because I don't want it to seem like a big deal. But I have seen a few people comment on his reaction to Mason Mount after the game. Now, they were seen embracing, laughing, joking, like best mates do. And they've known each other for a hell of a long time when they was at the Chelsea Academy. Playing devil's advocate, we've just lost a London derby. It's quite public that he ain't signing a new contract with West Ham. And the London derby we've just lost is to a team that he's heavily linked with. Yet after losing, he is seen laughing and joking with his best mate. How do you see that? Because I've seen a bit of a split in terms of the reaction to it. And I want to stress, I don't think this should be turned into a big deal, but it is a discussion point. I think it's a massive overreaction. Look, let's put it this way. Let's just say me and you, for example, we play squash against each other um, and it's very, very competitive, very competitive to the point where we've had to stop playing because it got so competitive. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and, it, and I was, you know, every time I lost, which granted wasn't very often, but every time I did lose, I was, uh, I, was, uh, I, was, I was gutted, you know, gutted. However, if you'd seen me and you after the game of course one of us was more happier and jovial than the other depending on the result but we would we would still have a joke and a laugh in the car and we'd still like shake hands and it'd always be still be very amicable we would still be with each other as we were um before the game he's just seen he's one of his best mates in the game you know the cameras happened to capture him smiling you know mason's probably got up and said something along the lines of you know like as we beat them at, at, at london stadium didn't we so he's probably got up and said something like one each mate or something like that and that's how how you would react to something like that you go oh yeah whatever mate or like laugh it off and stuff you know that's all it is it doesn't mean for it's not disrespectful in any respect and i can tell you how i know this because 
because Declan Rice was a sub in the first half, obviously, and I was right at the front of of the side where he was warming up. And every time you know West Ham went on the attack and we were defending, he was kicking every ball. And you know, at one point, someone fucked up and he was really sort of gutted about it and stuff. You know. He wanted West Ham to win that game, no question of a doubt. And it just happens that he's caught, you know, smiling with, with his best mate after the game. You know, I don't, I don't think you can judge anything on that at all. Um, and I think people are just sort of, if that story about his contract hadn't have come out a few days before, people probably wouldn't have said anything. But it's just on the back of that, he's seen his mate, he's smiled. That's it. Managers go up to each other and shake his their hands at the end, and more more often than not, they'll have a decent like amicable embrace. It depends what moment you take the photo, but I just don't feel. I think it's been overhyped personally. Well, I mean, for the third and final time, I will just re-emphasise that I don't want to make a big deal out of this. I really don't. I haven't got a beer mip on it about it. I'm not stewing over it. I was in two minds whether to even mention it, but I wasn't happy about it. So I see it slightly differently. Not, I didn't have the raging ump, but wasn't. I don't like to see that. And, and I just think for someone that is so smart when it comes to getting people on side, because he's a lovable person. He's a lovable player, but a lovable person. West Ham fans absolutely adore him. I think in the context of not signing a new contract, heavily linked with Chelsea, family quite famously being Chelsea fans, the cameras are on him left, right and centre. It's being televised for Sky Sports. We've just lost the game and he is pictured not smiling uh, out of respect like managers do after a game, laughing, coming across quite carefree. Now, I know, you know, I'm sure everyone in world football knows he wanted to win that game. Despite everything 100%. I've just said, he, he doesn't want, he's not happy that Chelsea have, have come out on top. Of course, no, he's. look how he celebrated when we beat them uh, at the home game. And, of, and, of course, and, of course. And, and one thing that's important to say, you know, without saying too much, is that you and I have had the pleasure of meeting his brothers a couple of times at the games. Yeah, cracking lads. Yeah, yeah both top lads. Right. They speak, you know, I speak to one more than the other, but both of them, I spoke to both, speak as West Ham as we. You know, they never say West Ham. They say we, um, as does Declan. And when I... So when Declan was warming in front of up in front of me, he could the he looked up to the stand behind the goal and he sort of waved and sort of pointed at people. So I looked out of curiosity to see who he's pointing at, and I could see his brothers. I could see them, and that's who Declan obviously he's seen as well with with some other mates as well. They don't sit in the boxes. They never sit in the boxes. They or the corporate facilities. They do at the home games, but away games, the brothers go to the away in the way supports because they feel that they are one of them. Um, that. When I looked up to the brothers at one point, West Ham fans were singing, um, he left because you're shit, Declan Rice, he left because you're shit to Chelsea. They were joining and they were singing bubbles. You know, they not for one minute at this point do they consider themselves anything other than West Ham. They are West Ham for this moment. You know, who knows what will happen before sorry in the future of his career and maybe if he moves back to Chelsea they'll they'll follow Chelsea again but still have a, a deep affection for West Ham but at this moment whilst he plays for West Ham yes they were Chelsea in the past but they are West Ham now you know look at Carlton Cole Carlton Cole was Chelsea before he joined West Ham there's no question about it now that he is West Ham and not Chelsea so it's the same with Declan Rice and I think I think people are just looking for things personally and I know you're not saying that I'm not I don't mean you specifically you've just raised that for the benefit of the show and that it's a talking point but I think people out there on Twitter that are saying it are wrong personally I don't think it's coming to question anything that you said I don't well I'm certainly not and I don't think 
the fans on social media are, are coming at it from an angle that he doesn't care about West Ham. His heart isn't with West Ham as it stands. I don't think that, that's coming to question. Uh, personally, I'm just quite surprised that he would have allowed himself to 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 be in that position when if, give, given the context of it. If, if have a laugh and a joke in the tunnel, swap messages after, FaceTime each other, go around each other's house. But when you've got sky cameras all over you and we've just lost to a team that you're heavily linked with on the back of not signing a new contract, all I'm saying is I was just a little bit surprised. That's it, yeah, saying. I understand what you're saying, but if if for example, I don't know, like I'm trying to think, if Zuma had been playing and he'd got up to Kante, you know, as as French um, international teammates, and they happen to be talking after the game, and that's you know Kante, who seems quite a jovial person, made a joke, and Zuma laughed at it, and then they walked off. Would people be saying the same thing about it? Possibly, but I think I think people are looking for something there. It's it's just a, a moment in time. It doesn't. Yeah, of course, if if Declan had got at the end of the game, walked around and clapped all the Chelsea fans and waved to them, and you know, sort of done something like that. Then you'd say, "What the hell is he doing?" But it was just a conversation with a with his best mate that just where he just happened to to smile. Um, and you know, it, it, it's I think you could capture anyone in that moment. You know, if you'd captured him, maybe as the full time whistle went, literally taking a photo of him as the full time whistle went. I bet he wasn't smiling then. I bet he was head down and gutted. But it's just, it's just, a, it's just a brief moment in time that's captured that, and you can make any photo tell a story if you want it to. And I think, I think it's just nothing. Okay, ideally, you know, it wouldn't happen because then you wouldn't have had this debate. But it's nothing to to look into. And I think if it had been any other player, you know, if it had been Mark Noble, let's just say Mark Noble talking to. I can't even think of an English player in a chair or somebody he would know that's in the Chelsea team, but you know, or maybe Loftus Cheek then. Um, if he was talking to Loftus Cheek at the end of the game and he happened to be smiling, I bet not one person would say, What's Noble doing there? I can't think I've ever seen him do it. I don't think people would have noticed it. I'm sure there's probably times he has, but mm. people, it's just not been brought to the attention because no one's thought anything of it. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Like I said, I don't. I don't think it should be turned into a big deal. It's more of a discussion point, really, and just keen to get your thoughts on it and um, and give my own. But I, I certainly haven't got the ump about it. Like I say, I wasn't even in two minds whether to even talk about it. But yeah. uh, just thought it was a relatively interesting talking point. <laughs> um, but ultimately, yeah, VAR fucked us in the arse once again. Uh, the players that went out, I thought, did better than expected, to be honest. We missed our key players, as every team would do. But I've got to say, I fucking laugh my bollocks off when Jorginho missed that penalty. I mean, he looks yeah. like a right helmet with that run-up. and all oh, no, One terrible. of the worst penalties I've ever seen. Oh, it's Terrible, mate. It's terrible, mate. And mate, I stand at five foot. I'm going to round it up to eight. Five foot eight. Um, <laughs> Fourteen stone in my forties, right? I think, and I often say this, but I think 100. percent I could have saved that because he didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't even in the corner. It was literally right it's next awful. to him. And I, and, I, and I probably wouldn't have dived. I probably would have just kicked it away. But I would have still saved it. Yeah, I know. It was I know. A terrible penalty. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was absolutely horrendous. Yeah, absolutely horrendous. Um, massive game on Thursday. X. I, I've got to be honest. I literally feel sick just talking about it. Mm. Um, tactically, how do you think we'll approach that game when you look at our injury situation at the back? Because you know it was a solution to go with five at the back yesterday. But is that too defensive in a home leg of a semi-final? And if it is, what's the alternative? 
Um, I don't know. I'm just praying that Zuma is more ahead of schedule than than we think he is. That's my sort of my hope. Um, if he isn't, then it's a tough one. I think Johnson played well yesterday. Um, obviously he was in the back of a, a five, but um, he he's been talked about by under twenty one England manager as showing a lot of potential at centre back. I could see that from yesterday. Maybe he's the answer. Maybe you do go with the with the five, but you don't have um, Maseraku and um, Shafal. Maybe you have Fredericks and maybe Funaus. Possibly so there's a slightly more attackingness to those um, to those wing backs. Um, but I think for me, I, I just I'd be tempted just to rush Zuma through. That would be what I would do if Zuma's back in training, which I believe he has done on my. I believe last week he trained. Okay, now only it might have only been for Thursday and Friday, um, but I believe he has trained in light training, but he's only been out three weeks, four weeks. You know, it's not like he's going to need match fitness training because um, he's played most of the season. I would, I know it's a risk because he's our £30 million centre-back. I would inject him if he needs it to play. That would be what I would do. Mm, that's a real tough one, you know. I think it's probably too big for Elise. It's a yeah. big ask for an academy player to come into an occasion like that. <laughs> I play him against Arsenal, though. I'd play yeah, him against yeah, Arsenal. Yeah, no, I'd be comfortable with that. I mean, at some point, these players have to be given an opportunity if they're performing at academy level. But it's too much of a gamble, I think, for Frankfurt. Mm. Um, I'm not overly comfortable with playing five at the back at home. But when you look at what the alternatives are, I'm with you. I think if Zuma can be rushed and he's not on the bones of his ass, it's kind of you know, 50-50 as to whether he can play 90 minutes, I think I'd take that chance. There is the argument to say, don't do that and have him even fitter for the away leg when you could play four at the back and go mm. at him away from home. Mm. It, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? A really difficult one. Um, and you really do want to try and finish that home leg on top. And that's oh, why yeah. I'm thinking, I don't know. That's a really difficult one. Um, but it's interesting with Frankfurt because they haven't won a Bundesliga game since the 13th of March and they currently sit ninth in the table. So I don't want to tempt fate, but they're hardly well beaters. I know they've knocked Barcelona out of the competition, but they're not the Barcelona of old, let's be fair. So like I say, I don't want to tempt fate, but regardless of what we've just discussed, you've got a fanciest to get to the final X. And where is it? Is it tempting fate too much to say that? I think we should. I think we should get to the final. I think we're on paper a better team than them. I can't claim to have the most knowledge about Eintracht Frankfurt, but like you say, looking at the German league table, um, the, the fact that we've beaten Seville. And now if I was to be told at the start of the season, um, which one would you rather in the Europa League? I would have said Frankfurt over Seville. And we've beaten Seville. And we played very well against Leon in the second leg um, so I, I think I think we've got to look to beat them I would really be hoping that we would win 2-0 I, I really want us to gather that sort of lead going into Frankfurt but also then say to the players we're, we, yes we have that 2-0 lead but we treat this like we did the Leon game and we treat it as if it is 0-0 or 1-0 or whatever and, and that's the attitude to have but I think we've got to go out there and we've got to attack them because we were playing well against Leon until the ref ruined that game and sent off Cresswell mm. and we were always having to deal with these sort of refereeing issues it seems now I don't know who the ref is for the game on Thursday but let's hope we get a good one and if we do we, we've got to just go out and try and attack them as best as we can because they're going to have 
you know, decent fans with them, but they're only going to have the allocation that they can have. In Frankfurt, they're going to have a pumping 60,000, whatever it is, capacity stadium that I think we've got to be in the... I would want us to be in the lead going into that game. Yeah, but the lads have proven. You look at Leon, they can cope under that sort of pressure. I mean, it was so impressive, Leon. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's clear from the players and the manager, and I know this sounds like an obvious statement, just how highly they rate and treat this tournament. They're, they're desperate to win it. I mean, they've been so consistent in this tournament that it's hard to look past not getting to the final, really. And it's an interesting one. I don't want to look too far ahead, but if we are blessed with any kind of a lead, especially if it's a 2 nil lead, it's also interesting to see how we'd set up in the away league. Do we play five at the back and be defensive and invite pressure? Or do we look to kill the game off and get an early goal by going at them and playing four at the back? It's yeah. a tough one as well. Yeah, I just think you have to um you just have to treat the game like almost as two separate games. You know, of course, of course if it gets to, you know, the eighty fifth minute and it's and it's um, you know, nil nil or whatever or 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 one nil to Frankfurt in the second leg and we've been two nil up for the first leg, you want you know that you need to sort of try and hold that lead. But going into the game, even whatever's happened in that first leg, I mean we need to almost wipe it out and just think, right, second unless it's ridiculous, let's not, you know, we're three nil down or something, then you'd have to go ultimately attack him. But we almost always think it as two separate games. Because mm, mm. there's no away goals now as well. No, it's, I know. Enables you to do that. Yeah, I know. No, it's very true. Well, let's keep everything crossed. It's uh, mm. one of the biggest nights in our history on Thursday. Mm. And it will be in the return league as well. Mm. Well, let's get an update on the West Ham Way Premier League predictions competition. No, there's actually something else I wanted to talk about. To be fair, <laughs> I do feel we need to talk about the Declan situation. And I, 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 it was going to come in my section, but I think it'll be better now. Let's well, leave that. Well, the misery does continue. No. Because the gap between us... Because you keep talking about it. When I was winning, you never talked about it. When I was winning, it never got mentioned. Well, only because I didn't no. want to put you under pressure at the time. So, yes, you did. Now we're coming on the home You're Alex Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, mate, 148 points. And, um, is it that big? Yeah, it sure? is now. I thought it was only like 120 or something. No, 148 now. Because your 35th, and out of... 1,200 registered players. I'm fucking amazing. Mate, I'm currently sitting at 14th. Ridiculous. Um, Some would say, some would question whether this is legit. (laughs) (laughs) Mate, if you don't mind, can I ask you to say a few words about what you think, you know, an incredible achievement that is from me as it stands? Okay, I'm not going to lie. Ultimately, the the only thing that I can do now is is remain a sportsman. I feel like I'm being a bit. I'm I'm, I'm under. A, I'm, I'm cracking. I must admit. I feel like I've had a Kevin Keegan. I was going to um, ask you if your head's gone at this point. Yeah, I feel like it has. And thankfully, I changed the West Ham score um, when I knew what the team was. I actually had West Ham winning three one originally, <laughs> but when I when I saw the team, thankfully, I changed it to a, to a defeat. Um, but I did go. 2-1, I think, which I don't understand because you went 2-0 and I went 2-1. But so in t- so it's a one a difference of one goal defeat. Yeah, you yeah. got more points than I did. I think it's because you predicted more goals in the game than I did. Yeah, but it should be in my maybe this is obviously something for next season because we've you know you can't change. Oh, it are you going to change the, the competition again? Well, soon, I, I think so because if it's a goal difference, that's a closer predict. No, if the result finishes at a one nil, a, a goals difference defeat, that is a closer prediction than <laughs> saying two nil when it was when it was one nil. Oh, I was a goal prediction away as well. I said two nil. No, my prediction was like a. 
No, you said two nil. I said two one. So the yeah. the re, so the result was a difference of one goal. Your yeah. prediction is both, a difference both. of two goals. No, it's not. We we yes. lost one. We lost one nil. We lost one nil, and, I, and my result was us losing by one goal. You predicted we would lose by two goals. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, you're yeah. right. So in theory, my my prediction is closer than yours is, yet you got more points. So are you putting the current situation then down to the probably eight points difference with that prediction with Chelsea? Uh, no, I'm just I'm highlighting things. The other thing worth highlighting <laughs> is what's that... What's uh, this fucking sportsmanship that you preach? Okay, okay, I will go back to sportsmanship at the end, but I just need to make a few <laughs> points clear. Brighton versus Southampton, yeah. You predicted one all. Yep. I predicted 2-1 Brighton. Yeah. Okay. Brighton scored a goal to make it 3-2. VAR fucking ruled it out, and it was debatable, debatable. Um, Newcastle last week, they scored a goal in the 90-fucking-seventh minute or whatever, which took it from my prediction to your prediction. Yeah. It's just quality I can't, predicting from me. I can't, I can't work with the gods. God <laughs> is ultimately the most powerful person here, and he decides that you're going to win, so I can't beat that. So, in oh, your defence... Def- you are sounding very defeatist, mate. Okay. There's a few weeks to go, but... Um, no, I have lost. I have lost. Like your head's gone. No, I have, I have lost. The bookies have paid out already. I have, I have <laughs> lost... But what? But what I would say, joking aside, joking aside, when when I'm when I have to answer questions from the press and the chairman about what's gone wrong this season, I will I will say to them what they have to bear in mind is that I'm 34th out of 1,200, so it's been a good season for me. I've proved I've done what was right for the club, and any other any other season that would have won me the league hands down. Okay, but credit where it's due, you are 14th in the whole fucking game. Um, and, <laughs> and so, therefore, despite having an amazing season myself, your season is even more amazing than mine. And I can't say much more than there's only 13 people in the whole bloody world that have beaten you at this point. So, yes, well done. I feel you do have luck on your side, but well done. Whatever you have, you utilise and you have produced the results. I've won the Fantasy League, so again, we're equal. I don't, this don't season. compete in that. So. Yeah, so that's because you couldn't win it. You wouldn't be competing. Because you didn't win. If you'd lost, I if won the first lost, six weeks, if you remember, yeah, which that, was hilarious. Yeah, and then you capitulated. If you, yeah, if you playing it, as well. if you, if you capitulated in the predictions league, I know <laughs> full well that first season. If I'd been like a thousand points ahead of you, we wouldn't even be playing it this year. But because you won it the first season, mate, that that actually, that actually isn't true because up until about the 30th week you were at times miles ahead of me yeah because, you won, the, yeah, because you won the previous two seasons what i'm saying is if this was the first season oh, I and see i was you you wouldn't you wouldn't oh, have played that's it fair. it is that's true fair. you know it is fair oh. and um and i think oh yes I, yes i'm very frustrated by it but ultimately you've done well but i do think my sportsmanship is the ultimate winner in this. Yeah, I mean, and and last season you closed the bloody game three weeks from the end. With your agreement, no, not my agreement.
agree with. I said play the last three weeks, and you wouldn't. And you wouldn't. I wonder why. I've got to and be honest. Right? It. This this sponsorship from you is a bit of a head fuck. Like, you're you're literally you're you're extending your hand for a handshake, and then you're pulling it away just so I go shake it back. Right, I don't really it, know where you stand. I'll put it back. Ultimately, ultimately, I feel yes. There's been a number of factors along the years that have been very frustrating with this game. However, getting away from the sportsmanship element. No, I'm, there, I'm coming to it now. However, to be 13th in the game, you're yep. not going to win it because the guy that's top is fucking miles away. But if you could get in, say, the top six or whatever of this game that you created, I um, I think it would be a very good achievement. I, I, to be honest, mate, I think it's an exceptional achievement without looking at the top six. I'm not even thinking about the top six. I'm just, I'm, I'm just fully concentrated on winning a third consecutive season at this game. And as I've said to you before, and I don't like reminding you of this, X, but for you, if I win this this season again as the reigning champion who has never lost this game to you, um, it would then take you four years to beat me. I don't because after it... after three years, that would make it a draw. We'd run three seasons each. But you'd have to go four full seasons consecutively beating me to to go back on top. And that's fucking grim for you, mate. Well, I might just do what you do. You see that I'm losing in, in it this season. So I might just stop playing. Don't like it anyway. Never likes this game. Doesn't count because I don't like it. Well, this so is where the real skill lies. Fantasy football is just for fucking silly boys, really, isn't it? Let's what, be million, millions and millions and millions and yeah, TV so, shows. It's, and... it's a big world, mate. It's a big world we're living in. Um, so <laughs> well, comparatively, the numbers then. ain't that right. <laughs> 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 but, uh, no, listen, I haven't prepared anything at this point because obviously it's still weeks to go. But I, I just want to say, you know, it's been uh, it's been a roller coaster. I, I'm personally very proud of... Um, my resilience, really, because I spent a, a big part of the season behind you. Well, and nobody would know because you didn't. We didn't talk about it on the show then, <laughs> so so nobody would know that part. I don't know. As far as no, you haven't. As far as they know, you were in the lead at the start, and then for about three or four months we didn't play it, and now you're at the lead again. <laughs> But I just want to say, you know, your words are very much appreciated, X. Um, I know, obviously, you, you, you're going overboard a little bit on just how skillful I am at this game. Uh, I appreciate No, you're not. Words. You're not skillful. Um, I said it's luck. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, all I can say to you is, mate, I just wish you the, the very best of luck because um, your predictions have been quite poor, really, over the last six weeks. And as I've said on previous shows, and... Listen, you know, I don't want to come across as patronising. If ever you need my help or you just want to get 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 my ear, really, on where you're going right, where you're going wrong, you know I'm always here, mate. Okay, so, I've, got, I've got a question. Like, yeah. honestly, genuinely asking for help here. How how do you manage to convince the listeners so as much as you do that when you don't like a game that you're losing, it's fine to just scrap it because you don't like it. But when it's a game that you actually win, it's, we keep that and that game's legit. Well, How have you convinced that that's fair? If I was to make my case in court for uh, Fantasy Football Gate, I would say, and you've got to back me up on this, mm. I've said to you repeatedly when you suggested that we do the fantasy football, I don't play it, I don't like it, shit game, I don't want to do it. Because you can't win. No, but then I was for the first six Yeah, and you loved it. You loved it. <laughs> texting me every <laughs> week, <laughs> like sending me graphics of your team, talking Only about the tactics. it was funny. Only and it even featured on the show. It featured on the show then. See? <laughs> See? This is exactly no, what I'm talking about. No, but with, with fantasy football, I just thought, nah, no, it's, you're like, you started to get on top after six weeks. I 
thought, oh, I've had me a bit of fun yeah, with fuck it. Fuck that it, off it, now. It, yeah, because I don't like it. It's just fucking, it's too too involved. I just like predicting where the real skill set lies. And, uh... <laughs> you just don't like losing. That's the bottom line. <laughs> and you know that deep down. And if you've been losing the prediction league, that would have gone by now as well. <laughs> no, it was. I've been losing yeah. the prediction league for 30 weeks. To yeah, you. but prior, you won the two previous years comfortably. Well, the second Oh, year, thank you very much. Mate. It's the first one. No, the first one you did, not the second one. No, I, I did second one definitely, and uh, at the moment it's getting more comfortable in the third season, and uh, I just I just don't want things to be awkward between us because obviously, you know, we both play the game, um, we're both doing well, like you said, you're you're doing amazing, mate. Thirty fourth, well done, you, incredible from you this season. Uh, but obviously, I'm fourteenth, so um... do you know what your prize is? <laughs> no. I've already booked it. You get to go back to the restaurant in Lyon and have the chili con carne with a, with a, with a candle in the fucking middle. And I hope you, I hope you enjoy it. Well, well, moving on, because uh, I definitely won't enjoy that. It's fucking awful. I'm still having nightmares over that. I still can't believe you ate the whole fucking Mate, thing. Mate, I've still... My, my stomach has not been right since Lyon put it this way. Like, <laughs> the other, honestly, the other day, I was sitting there thinking, my goodness, it's like what is happening to my stomach and then I then I remembered what is happening to my stomach and, uh, so, I don't, so I don't know how long this is going to go on for I feel right today so I'm hoping I might have seen the, the back end of it now but um, yeah it were, I'm still suffering mm. Well, this week sees our second virtual event of the year, with the first one being Tony Cotty in January. And we're delighted to announce that this coming Wednesday, which is the 27th of April at 8pm, we're going to be joined by Big Johnny Hartson. So I can't wait for that. We only have him for an hour. So he's a busy fellow. We've nicked a bit of time from him. We have him for one hour. So please come armed with your questions. This is your chance to speak to John directly. So uh, we're looking forward to that. As always, this event is free and exclusive to patrons only. And details on how to join the event will be released on Patreon in the next day or so. But I am looking forward to that. It's quarterly virtual events, I think, um, um, are really enjoyable. We've only done one so far. January, like I say, TC, that went down the storm. And this one with Big Johnny is going to be great as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's amazing, mate. To be fair, like, you know, what? where else you get the opportunity to sit in your um, living room or wherever you do these things from and speak to uh, another West Ham hero, you know, it, it, from the comfort of your laptop. It's just, you know, for, I know we said it and it's our patron thing, but why people can't look and see the value that you get for £5 or oh, to the pedantic people, £6 including tax, I don't, I don't, I don't understand because, you know, that alone, you know, you, you pay sometimes to go to a Q&A with players. You pay like 100 quid or whatever to go away. You might get a meal when you actually see them in person. But for a fraction of that price, you're going to get to speak to John Hartson, who's a great fella, a great period of our history, scored a lot of goals for us, but lots of side tales as well about his his time at the club. A very impressive man as well, what he's gone through um, mm. off the pitch as well as on mm. the pitch. You know, I think it's a great opportunity for, for fans. And you know, I, I'm buzzing for it I, I, I've we've obviously interviewed um, John ourselves before for the podcast so I'm looking forward to patrons asking the questions and talking about things different to 
to maybe what we've asked him. So I think I think it's going to be a great event. Yeah, and obviously we've got the Vegas event. I don't know if you're going to talk about that coming up. No, you up. can do, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah got, go got that coming up. Um, you know, amazing stuff. Obviously in Vegas for the Brighton game. Um, it's going to be huge. Um, we're going to have loads of uh, interaction with ex-players there. Um, can't wait for that. Then we've got the Man City event. Well, actually, that's before the Vegas event, but we've got the Man City event, which is coming to people pretty much confirmed gonna put the tickets out today one coaching legend one academy um player that went on to be really good for us um really two top guests at the same time the man city game which and will give you enough time to get to the man city game well in advance so don't worry about missing any of the noble stuff for that um and yeah we've just got lots coming on to to the patron and to the events in you know we've got the youtube channel which is isn't even in the patron that's just part of the west ham way you know mark carlos um launching that with um olivia elliott evan jones should be back lots of good content on there the new website so there's lots of stuff for people to to get their west ham teeth into mm, well said mate exciting times ahead right let's see what x has for us this week um actually mate is it all right if i just do one of my new sections now um in this part where you know where it's not exclusive to patrons um and i'll just do it now about Declan because there's a few things that i wanted to say that are kind of i think should be known to the bigger audience rather than to just the exclusive patrons that get the exclusive news. Um, and it's just to do with with the Declan situation. Now, there's been talk, um, you know, of it, it originally broke from Fabrizio Romano, the, the um, famous uh, ITK that covers all clubs. You know, he's an Italian, started off doing Italian clubs, but has branched out to... Um, every club in the world, I guess, is probably fair to say. Um, he is obviously a very credible source, someone I know very well, someone I speak to, someone I spoke to about this on. Um, after, I might add, there's been a few people ridiculously trying to imply that I gave this information to a British who was paid for it. You know, the things that people try to do to discredit other people is just ridiculous. I had nothing to do with it. I had no clue that news was going to be released by him. Um, and even if I did, it doesn't change anything. It's news that I already knew and news that I've already told people time and time and time again on this podcast in order for Declan to sign a new contract the club have to match his ambitions now you know we are doing really well we're in the Europa League semi-finals a lot of that is down to Declan um, hopefully we'll win it and then we'll get Champions League so in that respect yes but when you look at it in the signings January we didn't sign anyone not a single player was signed in January in the summer yes we signed Zuma and Flasic and a, a few other players, Ariola on loan, Crow on loan. We didn't spend the money on a top striker, which is what we obviously needed now. Yes, that's down to Moyes. So, and the board, so I think you can put your blame at either Moyes because there were certain players that the board presented to him that he didn't want to sign um, the board because there might have been players that Moyes did want that we didn't get over the line for some reason or the other so it depends where you you take the opinions of um in that respect but if we can show deck and ambition by signing top quality players that look like are going to take west ham on to a regular champions league contender then he i think he would have signed um the contract you know we're talking we've talked about the podcast we need at least eight new players 
when you think of the fact that we need players anyway, but you're going to lose Noble, you're going to lose Crowell, you're probably going to lose Fredericks, Yarmolenko, you know, there, there's a number of players that are going to go, that um, Ariola possibly, that we need to replace anyway, let alone to add to the squad. So that's the first thing, you know, this is this is nothing new. If the club showed the ambition to Declan, then, then he might have been here longer, but he is a world-class player, as we've established, Football careers are very short. He's only 23. I mean, he's 23 now. I say only, but it'll be 24 in January. Then that realistically gives you, what, eight, nine years of trying to win things um, if you do move, assuming you move straight away. He's always said he wants to win things in his career. It's not about the money for him. You know, he's turned down contracts. You know, when he was a young player, he turned down, you know, he was on about three grand a month, uh, three grand a week, I think. Sorry, when he was an academy player, as is the kind of standard rate. When he broke through into the first team um players you know he was being taught to Reese Oxford got 20 grand really quickly Declan was never offered that much never offered what Reese was offered but was offered more but he turned it down and because it was never about the money he wants to get the right contract for him um in terms of like you know playing time and stuff like that it's never been about money for Declan it's always been about ambition um and stuff so that's important to, to know that this, whilst it guts me that he might leave West Ham, and I will hate that moment, and I really don't want it to happen as a fan, obviously, I understand his situation. He is world-class. He could play for any team in the world. Therefore, being someone who almost lost his football career, don't forget, released by Chelsea, nearly released by West Ham. So he's been on the brink of being a, a nobody. So for him, he, he savours the fact that he is now not a nobody and is possibly the most talked about footballer in England at the moment. Um, you know, he 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 appreciates that, but he needs the right contract. Last summer, when the Euros were on, and he stormed it in the Euros, you know, the Italian manager said they were glad that he was taken off because he was so good. We should have offered him these contracts then. You know, we should have been ahead of the game and offered the contracts then, but we didn't. We offered, yeah, we offered a decent contract, but it wasn't at an increase, but it wasn't worthy of what his potential could be. And I think now the contract we're offering now, had we offered it then, it would have been signed. So you've got yourself to blame in that respect, that not anticipating the potential that he was going to get to. It was so obvious. Everyone could see he was going to get that good. Um, there's no gentleman's agreement being signed. It might be felt that that's the case by the board. The board may feel that they have that in place, but there is no gentleman's agreement as such. It is that it is what it is. He's been offered a contract, which he's turned down. He's got still got three and a half years left, so it's not like awful at this point but he's turned out the contract the the club you know the, they feel that the valuation on him it's up to the club how much they value him but obviously the valuation is very high for a defensive midfielder i agree with it personally from a fan's point of view because i don't want to sell him and it's basically saying we're not going to sell him but from Declan rice's point of view you know it is probably beyond what he thinks his own valuation is in terms of the fact he's a defensive midfielder. Um, and I think the situation is just what it is. He wants to have control over his future. He's still got three and a half years. That's the bottom line. What may start to happen now, and I hope it doesn't, and I hope we're better than this, but is that the club start to 
put stories out about him that are negative towards Declan. I really hope they don't do that because they've got a good relationship with him. He loves West Ham and so on. And I really hope that doesn't happen. And it might not happen, but I just really urge that it doesn't happen because even if he does leave in the summer, he should be remembered for all that he brought to the club um, and not and not sort of the fact that he wanted to move on to better himself. I don't think West Ham fans can knock him for that. Yes, it's disappointing. Yes, we're all gutted. He may not even move on. You know, he's not going to force a move. He's not going to rock the boat. He's going to still play to the levels he plays for, for West Ham. Um, it's just that, you know, we have, if he does move on, I think West Ham fans should respect it. And I kind of wanted to say that because I think there's been a few myths. Like I said, in a nutshell, it's not new news. What came out, we know that he hasn't signed a contract. He hasn't signed a contract two or three times have been offered to him because he wants more more ambition from the club and more control over his career. If he does leave, I think it's gutting. And I really don't want it to happen. I want us to have shown the ambition he deserves, but I can understand it. Thirdly, I hope the club don't try and make, put him in a negative light because I think he's doing what all people his age uh, and his ability would do um, if they're at West Ham. And I think that's the bottom line, really. And I just think let's just enjoy the journey that we're on now. Let's try not to think about it till now and let's just see what happens in the summer. You know, the clubs might not bid for him in the summer. If they don't bid for him in the summer, he can't move. You know, so that, that's the situation. Yeah. Um, no, I can totally understand what you're saying now. And I go back to saying earlier, we love him as a player. We love him as a man. I just think, you know, a couple of things there from my perspective. He's talking about the club's ambition. Um you know, we're three games away from winning the Europa League and subsequently qualifying for the Champions League. Now, at that point, at that point, the board have to do their bit and bring in the sort of players that Declan expects to be brought in. Because in that respect, if we are playing Champions League football, you'd like to think that we could attract bigger players. So the summer's going to be crucial in that yes, respect. Definitely. And that's why, we're, like you said, we have to do that then. Oh, we have to do it. We have to. But, but if we do win the Europa League and we do win the cha- uh, qualify for the Champions League and we do bring top quality players in, I don't know how much more ambition Declan would want from West Ham. That, that, that's my only sort of slight question mark because I think that the club is in the best position it's been in a long time. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's not as if we're sitting ninth in the table and we're out of every single competition because it's a no-brainer. If you're Declan Rice, with his ability then you would. But then at the same time, he is still contracted to West Ham for three and a half years or however, however long it is. I think the club are within their rights to say, look, Dick, I'm not being funny. You talk about ambition. We've just qualified for the Champions League after winning the Europa League. Please God, they're in a position to say that. You, you still got three years on your deal. We'll pay you more money. We'll give you more money if that's what you want. But in terms of ambition, we are where we need to be at the moment. You well, know, that's... And I just hope that, and I'm sure he will, but I'm, I'm hoping that if that's the case and we're in that luxurious position to have that conversation, then um, then he wouldn't try and force a move. Because he's, he's not as if he's 28, 29, is he? You know? No, no, true. But we, we, I think when you say that, obviously you've got the situation generally where, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily the board's fault necessarily or the, the players might not have been out there, the right players for the club might not have been out there, but we didn't sign anyone in January. You know, when we were pushing for the top four. Okay, so what, what, what would we have achieved uh, if we would have signed those players that we potentially are going to achieve now this season? Well, we might what, would have... we have qualified for the Champions League if we'd have signed a player? Well, we still can do that if we win the Europa League. Would we have won a trophy? We still can do that if we win the Europa League. So how much of a difference does that make? I'm with you. I was fuming that we didn't assign the one in January. That said, 
we've incredibly managed to go on to have an incredible season without doing that against all odds. So I'm yeah. just trying to think how much of a difference would that have made to what we're maybe potentially not. going to achieve? You make a fair point. I mean, I think we would have had more of a squad depth to, to be able to compete on both levels and not had to sacrifice a team as such against Chelsea and maybe not played as poorly against Brentford because we couldn't make yep. changes. There's definitely that argument, but I accept your point and I agree. If we qualify for the Champions League, well, then you can say to Declan, well, look, we've got Champions League football here. Now we want to have regular Champions League football and we want to compete for the league. Because let's be honest, right? Mm -hmm. Declan could play for Man City. He could play for Liverpool. Anyone, anyone. Yeah, Real Madrid, whoever you want to pick. PSG, you know, he could play for these teams. He, he, he's therefore, his ambitions are winning the league. Title, and at a minimum, title contenders, Champions League contenders. Now, as much as we would love West Ham to get there, God, please, I want it more than anyone. Can we honestly say that in the summer, with what we will sign and what we will do, we'll be able to say definitely next year we're going to have a good run in the Champions League and we're going to be competing for another Champions League spot, whether it be through winning a trophy like the Champions League or whether it be in the league. That's the question. And if the board could convince him that we can uh, by signing right players, and if we go out and send 200 million or something, 250 million, and it is worth noting that the board, I saw a stat the other day, the board have spent quite a lot of money net in their time. I saw a survey and I was shocked. It's much higher than perhaps they get the credit for. So to give them a bit of uh, uh, protection from this argument, uh, I think we're like the 13th highest net spender since like 2000. And 15 or something like that oh i have to load it up but it was i was i was shocked at it um but whatever the case Declan's ambitions are literally and rightly so winning trophies every year and we need to convince is he going to be him, guaranteed that at chelsea then not necessarily at chelsea but i'm looking at i'm looking at that stat 12 312 million is west ham since 2012 2013 biggest net spenders which is amazing so mm. you can give the board credit that you know, he's not guaranteed at Chelsea, but even Chelsea in a fairly average season with a lot going off the pitch have pretty much qualified for the Champions League next year, are in the FA Cup final and are playing and played the semi-final of the Champions League. You know, so it's not like they had a nothing season. You know, the only club at the moment out of the big clubs, potentially, that you could say not to join is Manchester United because they're in complete chaos. Mm. Arsenal, you know, it's debatable whether they're going to be able to maintain it, but they've got a young squad. Tottenham, I don't even want to talk about that prospect. So then that leaves Man City, who are focusing on Haaland as a striker, but maybe, but I know they like Declan. All the top clubs like Declan. It's just whether they can have the finances to, to sign them. Um, I don't think he'd entertain Newcastle, which is a good sign in terms of his ambitions you know because they could pay the world and, and more for him but I don't think you need to take that because likewise you know at West Ham they've probably got similar ambitions for next season so it's just a it's just a one that I think we I think you're right if we can match the ambitions in the summer they're brilliant and if West Ham do go out and spend a lot of money and say we really want to build on this then you can say to Declan look this is what we're doing. We really want to build on it. Let's, let's kick on. There would be an argument to say that you'd hope he'd stay, but you've got to see West Ham doing that. And at the moment, you know, you could argue since he's been here, you know, he's had contract offers that, in their opinion, and probably mine and other West Ham fans have never quite matched 
what they should be at the time that he was offered them. They have got there eventually, but it's always too late to when they should have been offered. And we haven't, you know, gone out of our way and had a, a window that matches a, a Champions League ambitioned club. We've had, we've got there because of Moyes and the brilliant job he's done. But in terms of the ambition, it's not quite been there. So what I'm trying to say is I just hope that West Ham fans almost forget about the situation now. Let's enjoy the season. Let's hope that some of the board do match his ambitions. Let's have um, and that we are in the Champions League next year and let's take it from there. But um, there was so much talk about this in the week over something that really isn't that much different to what it was. And we've just got to be careful of how... I don't want people to... I really hope it doesn't happen, and this is hypothetical. I really don't want the club via other outlets to be, like, trying to rubbish a character of a man that has given these everything for this club and loves the club, but just wants ambition. Yeah, yeah, and, and listen, he, he you know, he, like I say, he's been the consummate professional, always available, always given 110%. He's given incredible service to West Ham, he, he really has. It's just that, obviously, I'm, I'm speaking selfishly now as a fan. If we were treading water in the Premier League doing fuck all in terms of ambition, I, I would have expected him to have gone already. But mm. for someone like Declan who, and I say, I don't want to say that claims to suggest that he doesn't really, I mean, it is in the, he's very public about his affection and level of love for West Ham. For someone that claims to love the club as much as he does, if we've just won the Europa League and we've qualified for the Champions League and we will make it worth his while to stay, I can't see just how much more in that scenario you'd get from another club if you love the club so much. And, and, and we're playing top-level football. It's not as if we're treading fucking water in the Premier League, is it? Do you know what I mean? No. I, that's, that's, my only, that's my only gripe, really, is that we're talking about the potential ambition of West Ham, where at the moment we've never been more ambitious in our fucking history. We're just on the verge of qualifying for the... Is, is, it, is there a slight difference here, though? Is, the, uh, is it, yes, you're right, we're on the verge of qualifying for Champions League, but is that because of the ambition or is it because of the fact that the manager and the players that he had have done just such a superb job? Is that ambition or is it just the fact the manager's done so well? Yeah, but that doesn't make sense to me because yes, it does because it, you can have doesn't. a club. It does because it you can doesn't have... because the manager and the players. Uh, all right, you could you could definitely say exceeded expectation. That's a fair, but you can't hold that against the club because they've recruited the right manager and subsequently signed the right players. So no, they don't deserve the credit. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying take it away, right? But what I'm saying is, if you know, and I'm not saying it's the right thing to have done either because they're right, they recruited properly and and signed the right players and got the right manager. But you know, has David Moyes' job? Is it David Moyes that's got us there? Could you? Uh, there's that argument. I'm not saying it's right or wrong because I always say the buck stops at the top so in the negative times the buck stops at the top in the positive times the buck stops at the top so they've definitely got to have their praise with 100% but can can you say that like you know the fact that we've had this successful season is down to the whole club showing massive ambition or is it down to the fact that the manager and the players have performed above expectations next year? Will we be able to sustain that? Or if David Moyes left, for example, would we be able to sustain that? Yeah, but you can say that about anyone. Can you? Would Liverpool sustain their success if they lost Jurgen Klopp? You know, it, who, who knows? It's all hypothetical. The, the bottom line is we are achieving fantastic things as a football club because the board recruited a top manager and we have recruited top players. And, and you're almost suggesting 
a counter argument of, well, is that more luck than judgment? Who gives a fuck? The fact of the matter is we are on the verge of potentially winning the Europa League, which would see us qualify for the Champions League. I don't know how much more ambition other than challenging for the league title is expected from West Ham now. Yeah, but, you, but you, to go back, you've always said in the argument before that West Ham have to build on the season that they've had previously, right? I've got, I've 100%. Yeah, and so then when we appointed Moyes, yeah, mm-hmm. you saw it as a backward set. You were very, oh, very yeah. anti-Moyes. Oh, very, absolutely. Very, yeah, so then you questioned the ambition of the club. You were very... Yeah. Very adamant that the ambition of the club wasn't there because we we're taking the cheap option of a manager that had failed elsewhere, blah, 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 blah. And now, because we've been proven wrong, most fans have been proven wrong, you weren't alone in that. And I thought it as well, you know, not as passionately as you, but I did say I thought it was the cheap option. Now he's done so well. Now, all of a sudden, you know, we're saying that there there is ambition when when previous to point that manager, there was no ambition. So, yeah, be, yeah because you went to nail the head. You but does that not suggest that the manager's the reason that we have the ambition or the yeah, achievement? It's a strange argument. I don't even know how to answer that because the fact of the matter is he is in and he has achieved incredible things at West Ham. So by hook or by crook, we are achieving more than we could ever dream of at the moment. And, and you and, said he was the cheap option. Yeah, time, it, so that wasn't showing ambition, was it? It, that, that's true, right? But you're you're going back now a few years. The bottom line is, and you hit now on the head, I was wrong. I was wrong. I wasn't part of those meetings when David Moyes met with Golden Sullivan. And I don't know just how much of a good game he talked. He, he, he might have said, look, I will get this club in the Champions League. No one, no one will ever know what sold the ball on a point in David Moyes. Now, the sceptics will say it's his pay packet. But based on what he has delivered... And what he'd done at Everton and, and he got the job at Man United. I mean, fuck me, through Alex Ferguson's recommendation, by the way. So he's no mug. What he has achieved at West Ham has been incredible. And I was wrong. Like a lot of other fans were. But it, I, I don't understand this whole, you know, it, it, it's, it wasn't ambitious because almost suggesting that it's through more luck than judgment that Moyes and the players have got us to this position because we've earned the right to be there. The table don't lie and Europa League don't lie. And I just, I just think, I just think if, if I am Declan Rysex, and I'm trying to be unbiased because obviously I'm a massive West Ham fan, Declan isn't, like most of the players ain't that play for West Ham. But if I'm Declan Rice and I'm unbiased and I come out publicly saying just how much I love the club and we've just qualified for the Champions League after winning the Europa League, at the age of what, 22, 23? I, I, I wouldn't be in a rush to leave. I would if we didn't qualify the following season or we're flirting with mid-table mediocrity, but we're not. We're on the verge of achieving fantastic things now, which, to be quite honest, and this is just a compliment to Declan Rice, would all fall apart if he left. Whereas if he stayed and, and honoured his contract and we built a team around him and the ball did their bit, because the, the real conversation around ambition comes in this window coming up, Definitely, then I, I, don't, yeah. I don't see any reason for him to leave. I'll be no. honest. Listen, playing Champions League football. I'm not. I'm not. I think the board don't get the credit they deserve. To be honest with you, for where we are now, and I know that contradicts a little bit what I've just been saying. Because, I, but I do. When you look at the statistics of how much they've spent, and you can't criticise the board when things are going terribly, and then um, not praise them when they're going well. Yes, they got the right appointment in the manager, and yes, the manager with probably their support assigned the right players. So that's where we are right now. Um, so, yeah, ultimately, you, I don't think they get the praise they deserve. But when you look at, realistically, if Declan Rice was to play regularly, we're talking here, because we don't want him to do a Jack Grealish, right? Regularly for Man City, regularly for Liverpool. You know, let's just take those two teams, for example, because they are the best teams in England, and he could play for either of them. 
let's be honest, is it what's he got more chance of doing stuff at Liverpool, Man City or West Ham? Of course he has. Of course yeah, he has. And that's what he's going to be considering ultimately, isn't totally. it? Totally. But, you know, if you're a tender age of 22, 23 with a good solid 10 well, years... He's 23 and he's going to be 24 in January. So okay, 24, 24 in January. But he's still got, I think, he's still got a solid 10 years left in him. If you love the club that much and they're playing Champions League football when you want to be the one to have that team built around you and see top signings coming in because you've got the likes of Declan Rice at the football club who is playing for his country and will no doubt go on to captain the country whilst wearing claret and blue. I, can't it wait a season or two? Mm. Because I'll tell you what, if it doesn't wait, we're fucked. So everything yeah. that we're dreaming of falls apart at the seams. All because Declan Rice wants to win a league title as well as play Champions League football. And listen, I totally understand it. The best players in the world do want to win trophies consistently. I totally get that. But Declan does love West Ham. So if we're playing Champions League football and we've just won the Europa League and we pay him what he deserves to be paid and he captains the club and he's playing for his country, there's not a, a, a humongous gulf in that scenario, between playing for West Ham and playing for Liverpool? No, I know what you're saying. When you say love the club, of course he loves the club. He always, we all, he always have fond memories of Then the, stay with us. us. Stay yeah, with but, us. Be but, the centre point of that fucking team. Be the next Bobby Moore. Yeah, I get and that, And help us play Champions League football I, every single season. I get that, and you're speaking as a fan, 100%, which you are. Of course you are. Am. And I am a fan, 100%, and I could quite easily change my stance to be the fan that I am. And I've been a season ticket holder for over 30 years because people question that as well. I am a fan, ultimately. I'm also trying to provide a kind of in in unbiased, balanced view on looking at it. When you, when you think as well, look at Wayne Rooney. Yeah, you say Declan Rice loves West Ham. He loves West Ham for what West Ham did to him. It's his adopted club. He loves the club now because it's the club he you know came through the academy, he's represented, fans love him, etc., etc. But he wasn't a West Ham fan to start with. Wayne Rooney was a, a, a Everton fan, very publicly an Everton fan. Everything was how much of a blue he was. Even when he played for Manchester United, he bought his son Everton shirts as opposed to Manchester United, apparently. Yeah, he left Everton, who were a bigger club than West Ham. Mm. Uh, and, also and in a relegation scrap from memory. They are now. They are now. No, but, but they were then. As, no, because they're under boys. But when no. he broke through, did he, did, no. was he not... They were a Champions League contender under Moyes. But they played Mo in the Champions Mo League. Did, didn't Moyes had not long joined after no. Wayne Rooney? Moyes, no, Moyes gave him his debut, 100%. I can look it up now. Wayne Rooney started, made his debut for Everton in uh, 2002, according to this. Right, David Moyes was a West Ham, uh, sorry, Everton manager um, in 2002. So it was literally as David Moyes started where he gave Wayne Rooney his debut. And then David Moyes definitely got Everton to Champions League spot at least once. And they were they were in regular sort of fifth, sixth, seventh under David Moyes, hence why he got the Manchester United job, right? In 2002, so, they finished 15th. Okay, well, that's the first season, but they definitely got into Champions League after that. Look, look, let's look at Everton's league positions just to be accurate, because there will be people that have the benefit of not doing a, a podcast like this. Everton League positions. <laughs> Everton 2003 league positions. was better. I'd have finished seventh. Okay, right, here we go. Right, so it's just loading. When up did now. Wayne Rooney leave Everton as well? 
Okay, I have to go back to that. I'm jumping between screens, but right. So um, 2002. So two, no, 2001, 2002. Was the hell, year... 2004. They finished 17th. Mate, 2001, 2002. The season you picked was before Moyes was manager because he was the manager in 2002, and you've done the season before. So his first season was seventh. Then they finished um, 17th, but then they finished fourth. Um, and so on. So anyway, the point what I'm trying to say is... It 2004, is, Wayne Rooney left Everton. Okay, says, which is the year they finished. Um, okay, well, it kind of does contradict my argument a little no, bit. That's, so, that's what I mean. Yeah, it, it, it does. And, and that's, that's, that's my point. If West Ham had finished where Everton had finished in 2004, which by looking at it was fucking 17th, I'd have expected Declan to have been gone before okay, we even finished what, the conversation. Okay, but we're but, potentially playing in the Champions League. So how's that okay. compare? But what my point is, is that, that Wayne Rooney was like this diehard Everton fan, right? Even after the, all of this is his play career, apparently, and I don't know the facts because I'm not an Everton person, but Derby, um, his Derby manager, he turned down the Everton job before Lampard because he'd rather manage Manchester United. He didn't want to do what he did at... Um, didn't think it was fair to walk out on Derby at the time or whatever. It depends what you believe. I don't know. I don't know Wayne Rooney or the situation. But what I'm saying is there's other players that have walked out on their clubs. Rio Ferdinand left West Ham for, for Leeds. You know, he was a West Ham Academy boy. Frank Lampard, I know it's different because the stick he got, but he left West Ham. You know, there's been players that have left clubs that they supposedly love throughout the years. Declan does love West Ham, but he, you know, Martin Peters, he's another one, you know, but it, but it's about matching the ambition. And you're right. You're right. If we get to the Champions League and we then spend money in the summer, there is the argument. You go back to Declan and you say, look, this is where we're matching our ambitions. But at the moment, both my argument and your argument is hypothetical. So we need to see what happens in the summer before we can make that judgment. Yeah. Okay. Please, God, because it is a big summer. Mm. Um, and we've got a massive end of season to play out as well so you know it break my heart to see deck leave but oh, and not, me. you know me you'd, too, like, you'd like to think if we win the europa league and we qualify for champions league and pay him what he wants you know if he loves the club that much he'll stay but who knows because it is West Ham. Course, and i and i love west ham and Declan. <laughs> obviously i love west ham more than Declan because i've loved west ham more but before he was a player and i love them after he's a player however um and i i, I also respect what's a footballer we've got in Declan rice and you know yeah. people and i don't want to rubbish legends of the past and i feel, think i'm gonna have a lot of west ham fans going against me after this but you know there was times with bobby moore was looking at other clubs, apparently. I don't know if it's true or not. There's a time, apparently, I don't know if it's true or not, that Trevor Brookin was in talks with other clubs. Martin Peters obviously left at his peak. You know, I think I, I just sort of try and look at it from a, a Declan Rice point of view rather than West Ham's Declan Rice. I try to look at it as Declan Rice without a particular affiliation to a club point of view. And get, don't get me wrong, I would pray for... I don't want Declan to leave West Ham. I've seen this kid go from a... 15-year-old just released by Chelsea uh, and have followed him since then, told all of the podcast listeners that he's going to be the next best thing, took a lot of shit over the years of being too pro how well he was going to do, was ultimately proven right. But I don't I don't want him to leave, but I sort of try and see it from a balanced point of view with his eyes as well. But I hope we can match his ambitions and keep him for the rest of his career and that he goes on to manage us one day as well. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, again, to make a comparison, because you're making a few there and, you know, you could argue it's unfair because every single, uh, everyone's situation is different. But you look at someone like Harry Kane, 
You know, he could have gone to a fucking bigger club and won titles and whatnot. And no, he couldn't. That's the problem. That's actually helped my argument. His contract doesn't have a release clause or anything to the point that Man City... Neither, neither does Declan. No, exactly. So this is why Declan wants to have control with the contract situation. Why? Harry, because... Yeah, but, so that... yeah, but he's, yeah, but he's contracted to the club, X, not the other way round. No, listen, with Harry Kane, Harry Kane made it, it went on bloody strike in the summer. Yeah, because, to get out of... yeah, because mate, he's 28 and he's, his time's running out for a big move. Declan Ain, he's 23. Yeah, okay, 20... fair, fair enough. But Harry Kane's been trapped at Tottenham, so to speak. For I mean, he's been a world-class striker since he's at least 24. 25, Harry Kane, he hasn't been able to move. He's probably not been as public as he was about it in the summer, about wanting to leave. He probably wanted to see what Tottenham's ambitions were. And Tottenham's ambitions, as much as I hate to say it, have given him a Champions League final. They've given him pretty much Champions League qualification most years. Um, um, and um, other successes, well, I say successes, they won anything, but uh, decent, le- de- decent league places and Champions League performances, and yet he still wants to go. He's meant to be, you know, Mr. Loyal to Tottenham. Um, Jack Grealish, you know, he left Aston Villa, you know, the club that he supposedly loved. And I'm just trying to say that like, Harry Kane, you know, wants to leave because he wants to win things despite being a Tottenham boy, but he can't because he's got Tottenham basically told him he has to stay this summer. And he and then he went on Sol, he didn't score a goal for about the first fucking like, 10 games or whatever it was because he was so pissed off at not being able to move. And he still can't move so much that Man City, who were desperate to sign him, have now tried to sign Haaland instead. And Harry Kane is probably, probably going to look back on the rest of his career having not won think because he's probably gonna have to stay at Tottenham for the next two years or however long his contract is and think to himself oh I wish I'd maybe thought about this earlier and I think that's the situation but as we keep saying we've got if we can show Declan true ambition then yes your argument is is definitely valid that, that he mm. can maybe achieve things at West Ham but we've yeah. got to show him that we've got to show that we can't go into the summer and sign you know two or three players and have the fact we've got one striker all season again mm. oh that's yeah just, yeah that's yeah. not and, ambition uh, no it's not and and if we don't win the Europa League and we get knocked out uh by Frankfurt I would totally understand him putting a transfer request in the summer I would totally yeah. understand that if we win the Europa League and we qualify for the Champions League, I would be very disappointed if he put in a transfer request. Very yeah. disappointed. Okay. I don't um, think he'd ever put in a transfer request. That's one thing to say. I think he might say behind closed doors, you know, I'm, if a club comes into me, a top club comes in for me, I'd like to move. I think he would possibly do that. But I don't think he'd say, I want a transfer request. I'm not playing. I don't think he'd ever, I don't think he would ever turn last. If that's the case then, mate, I'd, I'd keep him. Wouldn't yeah, let him go. And maybe, and maybe um, that's just credit to, to. I hate to say it, credit to Tottenham for the yeah, Harry Kane situation. Yeah, yeah. He might have had a sulk, but he's banging him in now. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. And if I'm talking as a fan, if I'm talking as a West Ham fan, that's what I want us to do. I want us to say to Declan, I don't fucking care what you want. You play for West Ham, and you play to the best of your abilities because you've got to keep your England space um, in the squad. And if you're not performing, you're not going to get in there, and you're not going. And if he's not going to sign a new contract, then I'd be tempted to just keep him for the three and a half years till he's 27, 28, and let him go for a free. You know, it's, you know, it's not my money, and uh, you know, I'd rather have a 
Declan Rice at the peak of his game for the next three years um, than, than sell him in the summer because I'm sure the players we buy in return wouldn't be as good as him. So, of course, as a fan, if I'm speaking as a fan here, which I obviously am, my feeling is, so what, Declan? I don't care if you want to leave. You know, I understand why you want to, but tough. You're staying here. You're our player. You signed the contract originally, so you're sticking it here. And if you play well, so you play for England. And if you don't like it, well, then you're going to just be in the reserves or whatever as a fan but if i'm speaking from Declan's perspective then i think differently and that's why i think fans have to have a sort of almost an understanding of his situation as well as being fans is what i'm trying to say mm. well I, and i do understand it i don't even qualify for the champions league okay, and that, that's, fair that's my argument in a nutshell um Right, okay, that was much longer than I expected yeah, it to be, that conversation. Me too. Me too. You weren't were meant to argue with me. You were meant to just, you were meant to just listen. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Well, I promise that now we're actually going to go to your sex and I'll shut up. Okay. <laughs> To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise and behind the scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. Attention shoppers, we now have taste in the bread aisle. Dave's Killer Bread. That's right, an organic bread that's no longer a sedative for your taste buds. Dave's Killer Bread is on a mission to make the most of the loaf, to rid the world of GMOs, high fructose corn syrup and artificial ingredients, and plant the seeds of good in all that they bake. Killer taste, killer texture, and always organic. Dave's Killer Bread. Bread amplified. The... Share it with a friend deal, even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.